Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. And today, I have Rao Wu with me today. He is the Senior Director of Global Alliances. That's one kick-ass amazing title for Accuant. Rao, welcome to the show. Thanks, Umar. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So before you took on this role, you were leading 13 salespeople yourself. So That's tell correct. me, uh, out of the 13, how many were A players, how many were B players, and how many were C players? Oh, I probably would say a third were A players, third were B players, and probably a third were C players. So let's go down into, you know, let's get down into sales. So the A players that were actually, I say they walk on water because they do amazing things. Uh, right. How did you lead them? Was it just like they're doing well, just let them go? Or did you, how did you manage them? How did you inspire them? How do you keep them going? Well, the first thing I noticed is that they were individuals on their own, in their own right. So they had their own styles, their own methodologies, and it was just refining and honing in what they did well and kind of slightly guiding them in a direction here or there, but nothing too intricate as far as getting into, you know, what made them tick, what kept them going. So in other words, I treat them a little differently than the B players and the C players. Excellent. And did you have any A players that you thought, you know, this person is doing a great, great job, but they could be absolutely fantastic. Did you have one of those where you could see that they were doing phenomenally well, but there was much more to go for them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was certainly that that um, level of visibility in some of these players. And, and this was across many roles I've had, you know, in managing others. I've been managing people since 2013. I'm sorry, 2003, actually. So even further back, I date myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, there was definitely some areas where even they could improve and, and I'm no exception to that. I can always improve and get better at everything. That Guilty, I'm, that me I'm too. So go back to the 13th and think of someone specific and what sure. their issue was and how you guided them to actually get better. Don't name names, but if you can, right. uh, how you spotted the issue and how you coached them through it and what the results were. Sure. In this particular individual, um, there was um, great strengths at relationship building, great strengths at being personable, more so than even me. Um, but there was a lack of structure as far as process was concerned in getting more of the conversations going, getting more of the meetings to let her persona shine, so to speak. So adding some structure and some elements on how they can improve that in that area started producing measurable, quantifiable results of getting more meetings where again, the personality and the, the, the personal bonus that she possessed could shine uh, and that, pro- that produced better results. So for a lot of salespeople, uh, my hypothesis is like, you know, don't bog me down with processes. I know what I'm doing. And so sometimes we actually fight process when actually process is our best friend. Uh, have you come across that in your travels where they're like very like, hey, Rao, I got this, you know, don't wedge me in. And how do you get them to see the light? Yeah, that's a great question. I have uh, come across that um, all the time. Did you use a taser? (laughs) 
if I can afford to use one, uh, I would, but uh, no, that's, that's not legal in my profession. Um, from a standpoint of getting individuals to see something that they cannot see, you know, is, is definitely a big challenge. I think that's a big challenge in, in every um, um, profession, quite honestly, not just sales, um, but it definitely stands out in sales, right? Teaching somebody, some, somebody something that they cannot see or don't know is very difficult. And I think that the biggest areas for salespeople to improve upon, or, or really any profession to improve upon, is in looking at things that they can't see, like looking at things from the outside perspective. Uh, it's really hard to see that from, from the inside, right? So, um, so you need that 360 degree view, so to speak. Um, from a standpoint of how you know you get others to see that, it's not easy because there are some processes that I've been bogged down with, and I'm sure maybe you have it in your career somewhere, where they're clearly over-engineered and, and not effective. And you got to yes. obviously try to get away from that sort of thing. Uh, but then when you can get individuals to see things intuitively, yes. uh, then it starts clicking. And that's, that's the key element. Um, that's an element that um, was part of my, my career in teaching martial arts. I taught martial arts for a long time uh, as a profession. And so using those experiences with sales is also kind of how I got around some of those hurdles by getting individuals to recognize just natural intuitions on what should be intuitive to them and why they're not, you know, applying those processes and how they can better improve those processes from a measurable standpoint is something to, uh, to, to work through and, and getting through that challenge. So I'm seeing this book title for you when you write your book. <laughs> right. How to win clients without a throat strike. I mean, it could be good. Exactly. As martial arts to sales. So thank you for sharing that. And I actually wrote down getting people to see something they cannot see is what leadership has always been about. Sure. So let's take a deeper dive into B players. B players do a good job. We're happy they're part of the company. Right. And oftentimes they, this is my hypothesis. So correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. Is that the skill set of an A player and a B player is almost identical. The only difference is mindset. I would agree with that. Um, and I'd also say on top of that, uh, Umar, at least in my experiences, it's a lot of the little things that they're not doing, not big things. They're not big, 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 you know, um, um, pieces or techniques or tactics or strategies that they're using. They're small things that when you add up all these small advantages, you get a big advantage, right? From that standpoint, you know, I would say both those things are hand in hand mindset, and then also doing the little things uh, better that add up that the A players are doing. So there's very much martial arts, right? It's like, you know, perfecting the basic moves to a point they become effortless. So give me an example of two, three little things that salespeople can do that would allow them to get big advances in their sales career. Sure. Um, I'll get into the basics of, let's just, let's just say prospecting, right? Um, now, some sales roles have another team doing that for them. They have marketing driving it for them. They maybe have SDRs, you know, de delivering appointments for them. But you always need to be doing that in this line of work, right? You're yes. always selling. You're always knocking on doors. You're always, um, um, you know, dialing or always sending emails, whatever the outreach may be. You can measure that, right? And you can statistically study that. And putting pieces like that in place on a day-to-day -day basis start adding up to a large advantage. When you're not doing that or not doing that consistently, then obviously your pipeline gets a little bit up and down, your wins and losses get a little bit up and down, and you're less consistent that way. So that's a little thing that can be done uh, and fine-tuned better. 
uh, from all of us, really, in this line of work. Um, that's one thing. That's one angle. I'll shift gears a little bit into, let's say, when they're presenting, negotiating, and, and discussing, right. you know, the, the, their their wares or their offerings. Uh, from that standpoint, you know, a lot of times reps, you know, like to a, you know, show up and throw up. That's an old <laughs> expression. I'm sure you've heard, uh, and, and not listen necessarily to the prospect or the, and not listen. That was a yeah, joke. Exactly. I promise it was a joke <laughs> to the prospect of the client. Um, where, you know, everything that they're saying is 10 times more important than what a salesperson is saying in, in driving uh, absolutely. The, the sales scenario, right? And so uh, I see that mistake happen quite a bit, and that's something that you can correct, and, you know, you have to kind of sit in with some of your reps to do that or do it for them or do it with them or in all the above, right, to hone in and get better at, the, at those areas. Uh, and then I'll, I'll take one step further for my third example on just the obstacles of the whole deal, negotiating it and putting it together. A lot of times, um, looking at it, you know, from a big picture standpoint and understanding, you know, the does it make sense, does it not make sense scenario, right, is good at helping reps overcome, you know, obstacles or find out they're in an opportunity they're not going to win. And, and I think those things are all important too. So uh, one of my clients, uh, he is uh, runs a really successful company. They're sales driven, and he does prospecting every day. But instead of doing it in his fancy office, he comes out to the bullpen, sits down with everyone else, and just walks his talk. Which I thought was a amazing leadership, and b yeah. even though he's been doing it for thirty years, he still prospects every single day because that's how greatness happens. Absolutely, yeah. So let's go down to the C players. Sure. So a lot of organizations have like a third of C players, let's say, or a quarter of them. And the question is, why are you keeping them there? And there's like inclination to get rid of them. Kind of what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great dilemma. Um, you know, at a certain point, you have to obviously make difficult cuts, no matter how well you do or don't like some of those folks if they're not performing. Um, I think from a standpoint of there's so much guidance you have the tolerance for, so much learnings and teachings and developing that you have in your role, depending on the role, depending on the, the organization, of course, that you have that tolerance level where, you know, at a certain point, they're not getting it. And yep. at a certain point, they're not putting in the effort. And if either of those two occur, then, of course, you have to, you have to make the cut. There's no, there's no question about that. Um, sometimes it's the mindset of really just understanding that they're just not on the the same team you are right they're just not going to to do it they're just not going to buy into the company vision or buy into the management's visions and, and of course you have to make difficult decisions there and make the hard cuts as well because it's not going to work uh, but then there's other times and i've been through that scenario too where you have the c player that's struggling a little bit but you know with some guidance you can get them on the right track with a process a little bit of processes you can get them going and if they stick with that you can see the development then you start seeing the results uh, I, I've had managed people like that in my career that have nice. become A players. And, and that's really where you shine as a leader in developing those folks. And that's really where you shine. And in, in, in not only just getting the results you want for your company, for your team, but in developing fans for life. Because to, to date, some of those are bigger roles than I am now. <laughs> and, uh, and they're still friends and fans. And they message me all the time. Nice. I, actually, it was one of my clients was telling me, like, he was a sales superstar. But he was saying, you know, it was the third visit with the CEO. Well, the guy said, okay, that's it. Your ass is out of here at the end of the month. You're just not good enough. And something about that last conversation just sparked a fire within him. And he moved up to be like the number one sales guy. And uh, so sometimes you just never know. Yeah. 
So, Rao, you've been doing this for a while. You've reached a certain level of performance. Where are your sticking points? What are the barriers you're trying to improve in your performance? What do you see in yourself? Um, well, so the first part comes down to, again, sometimes it's hard to see what I can't see from the oh, inside. Yeah. And I need the criticism and the, the direction from others, my superiors, my subordinates, my peers, whatever that might be. So there's always that challenge. Um, B, and I think this is something that um, we all suffer for, for, you know, we get to a certain threshold, certain successful point in life, and we're complacent, right? We're kind of happy with where we're at. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and pushing that is always something that I, I find myself challenged at from time to time. Can I can always be pushed. I can always do better. Um, on the grand scale, I'm doing some big things. I'm impacting the world quite literally, as we yes. speak. But yet I can see myself doing bigger things, right? I can see myself doing going beyond that. And so, so those are certain areas that I always kind of challenge myself with every day, th- thinking, Maybe, maybe I can do a little bit more. Maybe I can get better here or, or start winding out my experiences. Brilliant. So you did a transition uh, from uh, you know, sales leader to senior director of Global Alliance. And so mm-hmm. first, let's talk about what your company does. It's all about the, the brand for companies. You know, A couple sure. of bad reviews can actually hit you really hard. And if you have an avalanche of them, it can knock your stock price for a loop. So define the problem, and then we'll talk about your role and how you interact with your strategic partners. Sure. So the company I'm with is Accuant, and it's a leader in the uh, digital identity space. And that's the problem of solving um, that a person is who they say they are in an online or mobile or web environment. Uh, the digital identity I'm space is fairly I'm actually a 15-year-old girl. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so on the internet, anybody can be anybody. And, um, and you know, when you uh, are building businesses that deal with e-commerce yes. or compliance issues, like Know Your Customer, KYC, they call it, um, or, or any kind of onboarding scenarios, and you get bad actors into your space, you now have a challenged environment. Um, a lot of the, you know, gig economy, so to speak, you know, your Ubers, your Airbnbs, they're built on trust and safety, your online marketplaces, yes. right? Things like that. And as soon as that's violated, their brand gets hit hard, but obviously their customer base gets hit hard too. So the world, as we speak, is trying to solve for these challenges and issues on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and these are some of the biggest brands and biggest companies we've all heard of, right, that are still challenged um, in this area because the, you know, technology is moving so much faster these days, especially over the last couple of years, right, where um, this is an issue and this is a, a challenge. So you were going from, you know, a, a direct sales force where these 13 people report to you, and now you're working with strategic partners that have their own sales forces. So tell me how that's changed your role and how do you influence those sales teams? Because I used to be in the high tech industry, and when we sold to distributors, I would go do floor days and give spiffs and educate, motivate the people to sell these products. So how do you cross that bridge? Yeah, it's a little different now because now you're dealing with sales reps that don't report to you. In fact, they don't report to the organization, right, that you're part of. So they're not beholden to your rules and regulations and that sort of thing. So it's a little bit more challenging from that regard. Um, Your influence in developing them is a little less than it is when you're managing your direct team. Uh, But at the same time, you know, you are arming them and helping them uh, with the tools they need to go in and win for you, so to speak, right? So it's really trying to do my best at getting them what they need as fast as I can uh, in the most professional manner that I can and obviously supporting them when needed. A lot of times they'll bring me into their sales calls 
to nice. represent our product line within their tools and their tool sets. So I'm basically an advocate uh, from, from our, for our company in that regard. So how do you train their sales leaders? Because they have to do the leadership and are they selling other products as well besides yours? They are. They, they, they're selling their own products. They're selling other products as well. Um, yeah, and, and, and the training part is a little bit more invite only, right? You can only get what they allow you to to provide. And that's something that, again, uh, I'd like to work on to get a broader audience and, a broad, and more time uh, consumption from their mindset of their companies and their reps. And how big are their sales forces typically? Hundreds strong. Hundreds big strong. sales forces. Yeah, large. Brilliant. So as you look at your career, and especially as a sales leader, you probably did uh, earlier on some things well and some things not so well. Sure. So what would be uh, some of the advice you'd give a seasoned sales manager on how they can do better? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I manage managers too <laughs> in that role, and, and it's always a challenge there. But I would say um, one of the first, I guess, lessons I learned early on, 2003, 2004, uh, was that um, managing people differently was essential. You know, yes. you, you start with the mindset of, I want to treat everybody the same and have the same, but but nobody's the same. <laughs> nobody thinks the same. Nobody works the same. Yep. And that was one of the first management lessons I had to kind of learn myself the hard way, right? Because everybody's different. We talked earlier about A players, B players, C players. You really almost can't treat them the same, right? You can't manage them the same way. They're different. So before we go to another tip on how to do better, let me ask you a question, Rao. Sure. Are you a towards person or a away person? And what I mean is some people like we give them a sales goal. Hey, if you close this many deals, you're going to Hawaii. And if you don't close this many deals, we're going to fire you. Right. What motivates you more towards a goal or away from uh, calamity? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I would say... They've both been, you know, heavy influencers in my personal career and in the career of, of others that I've managed. But I would say I'm, I'm more a towards person than an away person. And that's just one of 21 parameters that we can use to customize how we coach the people that we lead. Because uh, a towards person is different than an away from person when you're coaching. And uh, so anyway, what, what would be another piece of advice you'd give sales managers to do better? Because the first one is critically important. Sure. Um, I would say another piece of advice is, you know, adhering to um, not heavy duty processes, but the fundamental concept of if I can measure it, I can manage it. Yes. It's kind of essential in, in the management and leadership role. I, I have known personal managers and even know managers today that is more how they feel as opposed to, you know, what they can measure. And, and I think that's, that's not a, a great way of managing them. Absolutely. And just going to add to that, it's very much uh, if you've got a play on Broadway, no two roles are going to be identical. If you've got Tom Cruise doing the lead versus Anthony Hopkins, they're saying the same words, but they're getting a different response in the audience. And I think process is essential. It doesn't mean we strip away your individuality, but if we right. don't share a common process, then we can't figure out where the problems are. If everyone's doing something exactly. different, then we're at a loss for what's going on. Yeah. So Rob, before we part company, I've got two questions for you. Number sure. one, what is a mind hack that you use to become more efficient or more effective or happier? What's something you use to kind of help you do better? I would say it's definitely... Um, 
meditation. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, sit down and just concentrate and focus. I mean, daily walks or oh, yeah. uh, just kind of, you know, getting um, a, a time where it's quiet and I can concentrate and focus on certain goals or certain tasks I need to accomplish or certain problems or hurdles. You know, I've, I've had many, many of those situations where an epiphany occurs or some sudden, you know, shock, Absolutely. a light bulb goes off, right? That like, that's how I solve the problem. That's how I deal with the issue. Right. Um, I think, you know, in my line of work, there's day to day stressors and there's big stressors. And sometimes I need to focus and, and get my mindset on those big stressors to come up with a solution or come up with a scenario where I can overcome that challenge. Um, Absolutely. When I was commuting to work before COVID, I would have train rides every day. <laughs> that would help. But uh, oh, now I don't have, have some working from home. Right. And part of it is like, thank God. Yeah, exactly. So the last uh, question I have for you is, is there a particular book that you would recommend that our listeners uh, and viewers read? You know, there's lots of them. If I pan the camera around, you'll see a whole bunch of sales books over there <laughs> on the wall that I read all the time and challenge myself with. Uh, one that comes to mind just because it was recently brought up in, in the day-to-day -day life is uh, Crucial Conversations, uh, yes. which is a book that helps others deal with, with crucial, you know, um, difficult conversations. And this helps both with uh, subordinates, superiors, and of course, to the outside public when you're selling to them or they're you know, prospecting to them as well. Uh, that's definitely one that's come up recently in dialogue. Brilliant. Ralph, thank you so much for being on the program. I really appreciate it. Shrumar, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 